0: Yeah Like we always do with this Yeah yeah, like we always do at this time i go for mine and made plans for yours Cause I got the shine Go bar for bar, go line for line Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime That bitch by my side, i so close behind We living in a the moment, there's no post to you she think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign The gang's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb I remember, man, 11 years old when I made it to go Up a fair Fairville, I related to
1: coal Fresh Hello and welcome back to Film cold. Soliloquy Home of the involuntary movie review uh, you're here with the Dancing and Highsmith of Podcasting My name's Jeff
2: And I'm Jason
1: And we got a special guest this week It's a special episode It's the first time here in the theater That we brought in someone else to, to give us their opinion On a movie that both Jason and I have seen And uh, we love, but we can't rate it Because we've both seen it on the, uh, before starting the podcast So we need someone else to come in and do it So I want to welcome from Budget Arcade The guy who started a podcast That made me want to start a podcast. It's Scott from Budget Arcade. Hola.
2: What's up, man? Yo, yo. Thanks thanks for coming on board. Glad to have you.
1: Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. So, uh, just to reiterate for anyone who doesn't know, what we do is we trade movies. Uh, Jason and I will generally give each other a movie that we've seen that the other party has not seen, and then they have complete control over the review. So this week... We've given Scott a movie and Scott has given Jason and I a movie. So Jason and I actually watched the same movie this week where Scott had his very own movie. It's a movie that Jason and I both enjoy, but we're taking a risk. If Scott hates this movie and gives it a F where well, there's nothing we can do about it. We got to live with it. I really don't have anything else to say unless you do, Jason. I'm, I'm ready to hear what Scott thought of John Wick.
2: Let's have Scott take it away, sir.
1: All right. It's up to you. It's your show. All right. So
3: we this week I watched John Wick. Uh, John Wick is rated R, stars Keanu Reeves, uh, Michael Nyquist, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. Nyquist. Nyquist, uh, Alfie Allen, and William Dafoe, and those are the big uh, four headliners in the movie.
1: There's also a uh, cameo, a smaller role with John Leguizamo.
3: yes. Uh, Yes, and I was going to get to him as I'm doing it. Oh, my bad. I'll
1: step... standing down. Gosh, stepping all over my feet already. Don't (laughs) worry, I won't edit it out.
3: Okay, so let's... uh, I guess we just start with the beginning. Um, So, of course, there's going to be spoilers in this as we go through this, but, you know,
1: how many people haven't seen John Wick besides myself before this? (laughs) <laughs> yeah and that's a good point i sometimes forget to say up front and then i have to record a disclaimer we fully spoil all of these movies so check the time codes if you don't want john wick spoiled and you want to skip to something else uh they will be there for you to use
3: all right so the movie starts out with an suv slowly crashing into this um uh it's kind of like a raised uh i want to say uh you know where semis would back up and uh Uh, A
1: dock.
3: Yeah, like a warehouse dock, yeah. Yes, a warehouse dock. So this SUV slowly crashes, not really crashes, but it's kind of like just enough to do a little bit of damage, but not really, you know, probably like a 10-mile-an-hour bumper into this, okay? And the main character, Keanu Reeves, his character, John, stumbles out of the uh, vehicle, falls to the ground, takes out his cell phone, and then proceeds to watch a video of some lady on the phone on the beach And, you know, it's him and this other girl, this lady, and then he passes out. The, it transitions into an alarm going off and you see John in bed. He wakes up and hits the uh, the alarm. But so most movies, when they do this transition, this type of transition, usually you'll have something in the bottom that says like three weeks earlier or like, you know, five hours ago. This movie doesn't do that at all. It just kind of just throws him back in the bed and you're like, okay, so is this in the future? Is this in the past? You you don't know. So, anyways. He gets out of bed and then it flashes back to the same woman that was on the video and it's him and the woman through the flashbacks. You can tell that he has some sort of relationship with, with this woman and they're overlooking like this uh, kind of like a lake, almost like one of those uh, uh, reflection ponds. And she collapses. And then in the next scene, she's in a hospital bed. And you hear the heart monitors in the background. The doctor looks at John and kind of like shakes his head. And John like puts his head down. And then you see the doctor do something. And then the heart monitor goes flatline. So I have a problem with this. This lady's going flatline, but the doctor, all he did was unplug something. You know, normally when somebody is on life support, they're on a ventilator and all this. This lady has nothing like that whatsoever on her. All she's got is like an IV, a couple of monitors on her, and that's it. So her being, the having the plug pulled and her dying was very unrealistic to me, and I had a huge problem with that. But I digress. That's... No, neither here nor there. So, moving right along. Uh, so, the next scene, it flashes over to a funeral. They're obviously burying this woman. Um, John's at the funeral. They, and at this point of the movie, you still don't know who this woman is. You, you have kind of an idea that she meant something to John, but you're not really entirely sure who she is. So he's at the funeral, you know, the barrier, and then at the end of the funeral, uh, William Defoe's character, Marcus, comes up to John and they, you know, have a little talk back and forth, you know, how he's sorry that, you know, he lost her, yada, yada, yada. Um, Then it flashes up to the next scene, you know, most of that dialogue is not really that important. Um, He wakes up at his house, or sorry, he's, he's at the house, he wakes up. Uh, I believe he does some chores or whatever. and then, Oh no, I'm sorry. Sorry, go back. Uh, so he's at he has the wake of this woman at his house. There's a bunch of people there talking, whatever, and then it flashes the next scene. Nobody's in the house. He's there alone, and the doorbell rings. So he goes to the door, and there's a courier at the door with a package for him. And the package turns out to be a small kennel with a dog in it. First off, who the hell delivers a dog in the middle of the night? I mean, come on, FedEx. Amazon Prime, come. bro. What's that?
2: Amazon Prime,
3: bro. Hey, Amazon Prime, yes. <laughs> Amazon we Prime, got, we got you. Brought your dog in on a drone. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's another thing that that irked me about this. You know, this late, this thing is being dropped off in the middle of the freaking night, and like it, it looks like it's late in the night too because. You know, John's in his pajamas. He's just kind of chilling on the couch. And this is after the wake has happened, after the funeral. So obviously it's late in the evening. I'm, I'm thinking it's like, you know, midnight and this package is coming for John. I'm like, okay, what the hell's up with that? So anyways, it's a dog and there's a note from someone named Helen. And she tells, you know, says that she's sorry she can't be there with him yada 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 that he needs something to love and that's what the dog is for and she signs it your best friend helen okay no idea who helen is at this point still don't know who the woman is obviously the next morning his alarm or the dog wakes him up before the alarm goes off he uh, lets the dog out actually the dog runs out and he's like hey like the dog's gonna run off and he's like oh you're going to take a shit okay
1: whatever Come right back when you're and done. They have superimposed poo on the grass. Yes. I don't know if you noticed that.
3: I did notice yes. the poo. That <laughs> it was like, yeah, the, there's the poo. Good dog. And honestly, who has a puppy that's that well-trained when you get them out of the box? I don't I don't know anybody who would. So If you I, get them from Amazon Prime, yes, that's how they come. <laughs> Apparently so. They come pre-trained in the middle of the night. <laughs> They know when to wake you up and say, hey, I got to go outside. Let me go outside. So, yeah. So, anyways, uh, brings the dog back inside, goes, and the dog's, like, whining at him. He's like, what? And he's like, oh. (laughs) And he pours two bowls of cereal, puts milk in both of them, puts one on the the floor for the dog. He's like, oh, we'll go get some kibble later. Some of the lines in this movie are just... I, I don't know. <laughs> I love Keanu Reeves. and just... You haven't even got out of the beginning yet. Oh, I know. <laughs> Some of the lines are just terrible in this movie. <laughs> okay, so... Anyways, then he uh, takes the dog with him, and they uh, go and purchase doggy supplies. And in the interim, they stop for gas, and while John is pumping gas, this uh, car pulls up with, uh, I believe, four guys in it, if I remember correctly, You know, they all get out of the car. Uh, They've got music blasting. Um, Two of them go inside. One guy's pumping gas, and the other guy, like, looks over at John's car. I must uh, mention, too, John's car is sweet, like, older. I think he said a 67 Mustang, if I remember correctly. Very nice car. And of course, the guy is admiring the car. He's like, comes up to him. He's like, nice car. How much for it? And John's like, it's not for sale. And then he gets in his car, is about to leave, and the guy's like, oh, I love dogs. and Sorry, and these guys are speaking Russian when they first get out of the car. And he kind of drops the whole Russian accent when he's talking to John. Goes into the window, oh, I love dogs. And he's like, says something about uh, everything has a price bitch in Russian. And John re- replies in Russian, not this bitch. Which sets this guy off completely. And his buddy has to come in and, like, basically pull him off the car and be like, you know, back off. And tells John, you have a nice day. John pulls away. And the next scene, they're in the he's in the house in bed with the dog cuddling. He falls asleep. It transitions to the next scene where the dog wakes him up in the middle of the night. He's assuming the dog needs to go outside to go potty or whatever. They walk down the stairs. And as soon as he's out to the bottom of the stairs, he gets hit in the back of the head by a sounds like a metal beam or something and there's four guys in ski masks and dark clothes and they just start beating the crap out of him they punch the dog and then they're looking for their like the one guy's going where's the keys where's the keys find the keys they continue to beat the crap out of him and one of the guy goes shut the dog up and the guy basically punches the dog to death John is like what you know on the ground bloody and bruised and like half conscious and then the one guy takes a ski mask off and it's the guy from the gas station so next morning transitions to the next scene John wakes up on the floor the dog head apparently slid himself over to where John was and then died right there in front of him so you've got this like this smear of blood all the way across the floor from where the dog had been originally to John's side in front of his face. He uh, proceeds to bury the dog, clean up the mess, clean himself up. The next scene you see is a scene where this chop shop and the four Russians bring John's car into the chop shop. And the owner of the chop shop is John Licozamo. And John sees a car. I don't even remember what his character's name was. Do you remember the character's name, Jeff? No.
1: Not really.
3: Okay. Anyways, it's really not important because he only has maybe two minutes of screen time, if that. So anyways, he's like, where'd you get the car? And then it switches over to, to John. He's riding a city bus, gets off the city bus, and... Proceeds to enter the same chop shop, walks into the chop shop and it's, it's dead by this time. So there's nobody in there except the owner, which is John Lugozamo's character. And he's like, I believe John Wick says, is it here? And then it pans back to the original, uh, interaction with the four Russians and John Lugozamo And then he's like, repeats, uh, where'd you get the car? They proceed to tell him where he got the car from and he says, you know, where did you kill the guy? And they're like, no, but we messed him up and, and messed up his dog. And from there, let's see if I can remember correctly, he, uh, John, ta- John Wick talks to the John Lugazama's character. Lugazama's character says, uh, Yusuf Torsova and John replies, Vigo's son um, and then it pans back to Liguzamo and the four Russian guys, and Lugozamo punches the the main Russian guy to which somebody pulls a gun on Lugozamo, and they basically threaten him and he's like, "You threaten me in my own shop. he, he I'm sorry, the, uh, the the one guy says to him, "We own you, you do what we say. And Lugozama says, you don't own shit. I work for your dad. And then he punches him out. And then they pull a gun on him. He basically threatens him to get out. And when they threaten him, to, they're like, oh, we're going to tell your dad and he's going to call you. And he's like, yeah, well, I got something to tell him. So anyways, John finds out who the, char- who the guy is. And then it goes to Vigo calling Lugozama's character... Calls him and says, "You know, I heard you struck my son." And he's like, "Why did you do that?" And Liguizamo's character goes, "Your son stole John Wick's car, basically, <laughs> and killed his dog." And Vigo doesn't say anything. He's like, <laughs> he just hangs up the phone. He goes, <laughs> "Oh, oh, yeah, yeah." He's like, "Oh," and he hangs goes, up the phone. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. So, and then he uh, goes down to. I, I guess the guy was uh, Vigo's second in command, and which is the guy who plays Mayhem in all the um, uh, insurance commercials. I, I forgot the name of the insurance cor- al- already. Oh, um, all yeah, Allstate. Yeah, the guy who plays Mayhem in all the Allstate farm comm- or the Allstate commercials. So all I ever see him in was that. So I'm looking at him like, hey, it's Mayhem. That's and. I don't know what the guy's character's name was, but I only refer to him as Mayhem the entire movie in my head. Anyways, um, they're they're doing some uh, deal with that guy, and then they go into another scene where Vigo's son comes in, and there's some words exchanged there. Basically, he's he tells his son, you know, you effed up, and You stole John Wick's car and killed his dog after his wife just died. So this is at the 25 minute, 45 second mark that you actually find out that the lady was John Wick's wife. No other time has it been said whatsoever in the movie. So I'm like, finally, I'm like, oh, okay, it was his wife. So that's who's in the videos and all that still don't know what the wife's name at this point so but i'll get back to that later yeah, on. Yeah, but can't you pick that up through context clues?
1: You you i mean you sort of can. And I mean i never had any issue knowing from from the beginning. Okay, that's his loved one of some sort.
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh no, i knew it was his loved one, but i didn't know for sure that it was his wife. And so and also, I didn't know what the wife's name was, and and I'll get to that in a few minutes about that part. So, anyways, he tells his son, uh, "If John comes for you, or when he, sorry, when he comes for you, do nothing because you can't do anything." Um, but he does describe who John is to his son. At this point, this is where the movie actually starts to go into the action movie of this. Vigo, trying to head John off at the pass, has uh, Mayhem send a group of guys to his house to uh, finish it off, basically. These uh, guys come into his house. John beats the crap out of them, kills them all. And probably the funniest line in the whole movie comes up after this. The uh, police officer comes to his door, knocks on the door. And John opens the door and the first thing John said to the police officer is, noise complaint, question mark. And the officer looks at him and goes, yeah, noise complaint. The officer looks in behind John and sees a dead body on the floor and he goes, you working again? And John goes, no, just straight- sorting some stuff out. And the police officer goes, I'll leave you be. And then leaves.
1: Yep. He knows better.
3: Hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> And then John proceeds to pick up the phone and make a phone call. And you hear him go, I'd like to make a dinner reservation for 12. That's the only thing he says, hangs up the phone. And then this cleanup crew comes in and takes all 12 bodies out of there, cleans up the entire place. And John pays them with these gold coins. Um, oh, I forgot to mention when uh, the whole, uh, Vigo telling his son about who John is. John is in his basement uh, breaking through the concrete in his basement floor to get at his uh, stash of guns and uh, gold bullion. Um, Let's see. So, after this point, uh, John sees Marcus to ask him... Or no, I'm sorry. Um, Vigo comes to Marcus, which is uh, Defoe's character, to ask him to kill Wick. And... Uh, Marcus says, "Is it an exclusive contract?" And based, or he offers him two million to kill Wick, and he asks if it's a it's exclusive contract. And he's like, "No, it's an open contract. So do it as quickly as you can." And uh, Marcus is like, "Okay." So, John gets to this hotel in the city, and as soon as he walks into this hotel, um, he's he does a pass by by this one uh, woman and her name. Yeah. Okay. So she passes by him and says, uh, I forget. I think she's like, she basically says something to the fact that I haven't seen you in a while. And you can tell there's some sort of history between the two, but you're not sure what it is. And John's only reply is uh, her name, which is Perkins, You know, just kind of like the head nod Perkins. And that's it between them. Um, he checks into this hotel, and I, I i don't know if I was the only one. Did you guys see this movie when it first came out?
1: I saw it when it might have been on free TV, like HBO or something like that, but uh, I, I did not see it in the theater, no.
3: Okay, so last year there was a movie that came out called Hotel Artemis. This is the feeling I got about this hotel is basically – Hotel Artemis was maybe a story that maybe spawned off of this hotel in John Wick. I don't know if you guys felt the same way or not. Never seen Hotel Artemis. Oh well, neither have I. But the uh, previews of it, you know, make it out to be a hotel that's run for criminals, so they can come in and be patched up whenever they get into a, a tight spot. But that's that's the feeling I got from this hotel whenever John's there. So he checks in, um, goes into his room. So he's watching the video of his wife again, and if it weren't for the subtitles, I wouldn't have known that that his wife's name was Helen because the subtitles actually said Helen in the bottom when she was talking. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's John's wife. That's who sent him the dog. Now the movie makes more sense. Uh, He goes to the hotel club, uh, speaks to the hotel owner, and he gives him the location of Youssef basically um, he goes to this club which is called the red circle where yousef is at and the movie turns into you know basically a beat em up video game so he goes into the uh, the club and and what i say it, it turns into a video game because
2: yeah man streets of rage
3: yeah, no, pretty much. This, <laughs> but it's it's hilarious because there's little little details in this part that I don't know if you guys noticed. But so he uh, he starts off with some stealth kills, gets into the bathhouse where Yusef is at, and that's when all the really the big fighting starts. Kills off one of the big guys, uh, you know muscular guy in a towel. He's dead. But from this point on, every character he kills off is color coded. And I don't know if you guys caught that. I don't know. And they come in waves. So, okay. So, from the bathhouse part of the the club, uh, Yusef runs into a dance part of the club. In the dance part of the club, every guy that John kills is wearing a black suit with a red tie. Every single one of them. That's the first wave of enemies. He moves out of that section of the club into another section of the club. Comes the second wave of enemies. Every single one of those enemies is wearing a suit with a red shirt. all of them in that area kills off all of them, goes into the next area, which is a bar setting area. And in that third that, that third section is the third wave of enemies and they're all wearing the red, the black suits with the red ties again. But in this one there's a boss fight. You've got this one guy who uh, ends up uh, shooting John in the bulletproof vest. and from that point they go to hand-to hand hand-to-hand combat. The uh, boss basically breaks a bottle of champagne and stabs John in the side. And John has to escape that battle. Doesn't end up killing that guy at that point in time. Uh, goes back to the hotel. He gets patched up. Yada, yada, yada. Oh, he did get the um, the cell phone off of uh, the three guys that were with uh, Yusef. And Yusef calls the phone after he escapes. And he's like, Victor... And John picks up the phone and says, Victor's dead. And then he says, everything has a price. And then hangs the phone up. Yeah, that was uh, cold-blooded
2: right there. Got some chills yeah. when I got to that part.
3: <laughs> so he's in the hotel room after being patched up. He's laying in there. Um, and Marcus is on a roof across the way with a sniper rifle centered in on John. And you see him look behind John and the door slowly opening up. And Marcus shoots the pillow next to John. So John's alert and awake. And Perkins comes in and starts fighting with him. They tussle, whatever. He beats her up. She, he knocks her out. Has the one of the guys in the neighbor, neighboring, um, room basically, uh, watch over her while he leaves. Um, during the fight though, uh, the guy at the front desk calls up and he's like, Asking what's going on, he said, "Oh, I was just taking care of something." And the the uh, the, the funny thing was, the guy down at the desk goes, uh, "Do you need me to make a dinner reservation?" Implying that have you killed somebody that we need to clean up, <laughs> which was which was pretty funny. All right, so crap. Um, so, anyways, John ends up. I forget how he gets this information. Oh, he gets the information from Perkins. Where Vigo's stash of all his money and his drugs and everything is, and he goes there and burns it all, and this gets Vigo's attention. Obviously, Vigo comes after him. John kills a bunch of his guys, but they end up hitting him with a uh, SUV, knocking him out, taking him to a warehouse to kill him. Uh, Vigo, you know, does a little monologue to to him and then leaves and then they try to kill John by suffocating him with a plastic bag to which Marcus is on the other side somewhere and shoots one of the guys in the head with a sniper rifle allowing John to be able to win this fight John picks up gun goes after Vigo ends up on foot catching up to his SUV shooting out the t- you know shooting it up and killing the guys in the SUV except Vigo Makes Vigo tell him where his son is at. And then it prom- makes him promise that uh, he won't kill Vigo if he tells him. And then John says, you know, take away the contract as well. And Vigo agrees. John goes and kills Yusef. Vigo ends up killing Marcus. Oh, sorry. Perkins sees John and Marcus talking in like this uh, next to the bridge or whatever. And the next scene is. Uh, Vigo and Perkins coming in to kill Marcus. Uh, John finds Marcus' body, you know, pissed off about that, so now he's got even more vengeance to rack upon Vigo, because they were going to be even once John kills his son, but obviously, you know, you kill John's friend, so now you gotta die too. Perkins ends up being confronted by the hotel owner and they kill her for violating the rules of the hotel because you're not allowed to do business within the hotel aka you're not allowed to kill people within the hotel it's against the rules um the hotel owner ends up calling john and telling him hey vigo's gonna be over here with uh, a fuel chopper but you didn't hear that from me basically john goes after him kills them all vigo and all his associates Ends up in the SUV that crashes into the the loading dock, which is the very first scene in the movie. So we've come back full circle to that point. He's where he crashed was actually a veterinary office or a uh, almost like a kennel. He goes in there and patches himself up and takes a dog that's in one of the kennels and is like, "Oh, I got a new dog now!" And they go for a walk in the park and end credits. He has good taste in dogs.
1: Like, all of his dogs are very well-trained.
2: Yeah, man. They come straight from the from the Amazon Prime store, bro. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> that was the warehouse.
1: Yes, the, the, he
3: does have good taste in dogs. It's just, like, perfect dog every single time. And, you know, knowing that there's a John Wick 2, I'm assuming that that dog's going to get killed in the next movie, and that's what's going to spawn him having to kill everybody else in that movie. Well,
1: we have no <laughs> comment on the sequel, uh, but we do have a grading system our school grades there's the flat f all the way up to a plus it is now your duty to assign this a letter grade uh keep in mind your future appearances uh you know anyway i'm just going to leave it up to you now. It,
2: it'd be it would behoove you if it if it was a, a decent school because <laughs> <laughs> honestly i love this movie the body counts high the action sequence is amazing You're kind of like me. You like to go into to like unrealistic aspects of the movie stuff. I didn't even realize like her being on life support didn't really realize that like the 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 close the closeness of how it mimics a video game with boss fights and levels ups. Never really noticed that. But yeah, man, I mean, I love it, bro. I That's not something I would ever knock that movie on for sure, because it's just an action. It's an action movie through and through.
3: Yeah, it, I mean it is for an action movie it's pretty decent. Um the body count yeah is high. I think uh with all three movies it's got like the highest body count of any other character in movies whatsoever. That's probably true. I don't even true, remember. Man. Yeah, I don't even remember what the actual total is. I think he's only like five away from the highest or some crap like that. But so it was very predictable and There were good aspects of it as well. I liked that even though they had a story behind it, there was so much vagueness though. It was, I I had to like figure a couple things out as it was going and I didn't like that too much. And some of the transitions I was just like, okay, this is, you know, jumping around what the hell is going on. So, um,
1: I'm going to give it a C plus. Damn. We gave you the wrong movie. Well, <laughs> that's going to make this a lot easier.
2: I <laughs> will tell you, straight, There's no way, in my personal opinion, that gets a C plus. Hey, we're but stuck, hey, man. We we messed we're stuck up. Stuck with David. it. I understand.
3: We messed up. Uh-huh. All right. Well, you know, I, I I think probably the other two movies are better because I've heard about you know different killing types in those movies. Like,
1: well, and this one, all he does—they is reveal hand 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 more and more as the movies go on about this assassin world. And it's really yeah. good. It's yes, the whole society. really awesome, but I'm not going to recommend them to you because to me, yeah. this well, is probably my favorite John Wick movie.
3: Okay, well, and you know, ultimately it boils down to the fact that John Wick is not a good guy whatsoever. Oh no! But this movie is like making him seem like he is.
2: No, he's th- yeah. He's definitely done some bad things. I mean his his nickname in the movie is Boba Yega which is the boogeyman. Yeah, Boba so Gaga. it's imp- it's, boy, yeah, it's implied that he is a terrible killing machine with no remorse.
3: Well, I think you, uh, Youssef even says we only call him that because he's the person you call when you need the boogeyman killed.
1: Yep. Yep. All right. Yeah, wow.
2: Well. C plus, wow. Mm-hmm. Can't believe it.
1: Yep. Okay, so <laughs> let's flip it up. And uh, you made us watch a French film. We gave you John Wick, one of the best American action films in the modern era, and you gave us a French film. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I, JB, do you want to take the lead? How do we want to do this?
2: Yeah, let me let me take the lead on this. So, okay. so when we invited this uh, great guy on this podcast who invented Budget Arcade and inspired us to continue to make a podcast that we'd like um and we we gave him the benefit that of giving him one of the best action movies i Mm. know of in john wick he recommends uh the city of lost children Mm. which was uh made in 1995 again it's a french film i i got i was like oh okay well maybe it's about something i don't know but uh i watched the trailer and i was immediately turned off my god anyway so i was like maybe after watching the film because it is highly critically acclaimed i i even think it's sitting in a the mid eighties on Rotten Tomatoes. And I, I use Rotten Tomatoes along with Chris, uh, Chris Stuckman reviews to kind of gauge on how I might like a movie. But yeah, man, um, I'll just give you a quick synopsis of it. All right. So there's this character named Crank who is this bald headed, weird guy. And he's, he's basically like a highly intelligent uh, bad guy. All right and one of his flaws is he's unable to dream and due to his and due to his, he's actually created and since he's unable to dream he actually has this type of i guess disease where he just ages really really quickly anyway so what they do is they try to kidnap children and he kidnaps he kidnaps children and puts them in a the machine so he can steal their dreams to make himself, I guess, live longer and that we can actually dream the city that he goes into. I forget the name of the city. And honestly, it just really doesn't matter. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's ran by uh, cyborgs or like Cyclops. And if Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I'm right on this. Um, the scientists that they're on this or they actually supply the Cyclops with eyes and ears this machinery that they can actually see and hear. And in exchange for that for those services, uh these cyclops, these cyclops men bring the children over for them, for him to to steal their dreams. That's pretty much, man, the movie. <laughs> am, am I missing anything?
1: Well, okay. So that kind of sets up the world. So one of the kids yeah. that ends up getting abducted is the little brother of Ron Perlman's character, Ron's Perlman, Ron Perlman's character is called one. Is that right?
2: Yes, it is one. Yes.
1: And his little brother gets snatched. And uh, so really the plot of the movie is he's trying to get his little brother back. And he meets a, a little girl uh, who they are familiar with each other. The, the, this sort of group of kids, they pull heists and stuff like that. And they go back to a school room with these conjoined twins where they take, they're sort of like mob bosses, these conjoined twins, and they get money from the kids, and the kids go out and do heists and come back. And this main little girl is kind of the leader of the kids within her own circle. Well, she gets paired up with, um, with Ron Perlman's character, one, and they just go off to save his little brother. They run into various creatures and people. And they find a guy in a sewer who saves the little girl at one point. And I, so this the bald scientist guy, he has a brain in a box there. And I don't know whether the brain in the box created him or this other character they found in the sewer you later find out is like the Wizard of Oz almost. And he sort of created all these things. And all these... Yeah, he
2: created all of them.
1: So they all meet up at this oil rig out in the ocean because that's where Ron Perlman's little brother is. And Ron Perlman is horrible. Like they say in the movie, he's stupid, but he's really bad at saving people. Um, There's a point where there's like a cult almost, and they've got his little brother and they try to go in to save him and they don't make a plan. They don't do any of that. They just slide down a pipe right into them and they get captured immediately. there's not even a fight. It's just instant (laughs) you're captured and they put him in a cell and then they try to escape and uh, push comes to shove. A bunch of weird garbage happens and they end up saving the child. But what happens is the little girl goes into the bald guy's dreams and then somehow kills him in his dreams. Like Freddy Krueger would do. And then the movie ends. So this is going to be a concise uh synopsis synopsis but i think our conversation afterwards is going to be much more fruitful uh so jb uh what are your thoughts on the film
2: so listen man i i tried to just understand this film you know like first of all the instant this movie ended um i immediately thought of scott and why he gave us this garbage ass movie all right and i just couldn't i'm like is this he's trolling us he's got to be trolling us right but then when you actually look at the reviews it's like it's like highly critically acclaimed and one of the the great aspects of it that they're actually praising is how great the visual effects are right and granted there are some cool effects like the smoke like this green smoke that forms into a face but dude I mean, this movie was made in 1995, right? Now, I gave you a number before the beginning of this podcast. What was that number?
1: 1997? Uh, 1996.
2: Six? No, man. 1993.
1: Okay, 1993. Hey, It was 1993. I'm going to edit that to make myself sound like I knew it right away. All
2: right. 1993. You know what movie came out in 1993? Jurassic Park. And that movie was the shit with special (laughs) effects.
1: All right. (laughs) But it was also an American movie.
2: This was a. French I truly film. believe, yeah. I truly believe dinosaurs roam the earth. When I watched that film, all right, that movie had great special effects. So for them to say this movie is so damn good because it had great special effects and it was made two years after Jurassic Park, and this movie looks like shit compared to Jurassic. Now, Park.
1: Now wait a minute. So <laughs> I got to give this movie a little bit of credit because well, I didn't read the review you read, but there's a difference between visual effects. And just visuals and atmosphere. Because one thing that Scott said earlier uh, on the previous episode, when he introduced the movie to us, he said, this is, it has a very nightmare before Christmas feel, which is a movie you hate. Uh, but the, mm-hmm. basically yep, totally. it's got a Tim Burtony feel. And that is true. And the visuals, not talking about special effects, but the atmosphere and the, the city is very stunning and that weird looking male nah. villain guy is what movie are you watching? I'm telling you, it had some cool visuals. It does
2: not. That shit was dirty dingy. Yeah, it was let me dirty t- let me dingy.
1: But it had that was the point. Everything was run down. There was never any sunlight. Um there well, was, how
2: hard is it to film? I can film my backyard, which is dirty as hell. <laughs> <laughs> And then you can say, "Wow, this is this is great." This is no, stunning. it's not
1: because it's dirty. Anyone can <laughs> can just watch it the trailer and just see. Even if the movie stinks and it's all this, I I can say that there are some really cool visuals, and it's a very unique looking world. When you watch this movie, there aren't a lot of movies Listen, that look but, like it.
2: I'm I'm gonna compare it to Jurassic Park real quick again. Because when I'm watching Jurassic Park, I feel like I'm in the park. I'm watching these dinosaurs. I'm vested in the characters. Did you say I dinosaurs? For the Dinosaur bones. <laughs> Dinosaur bones. All right. Everything about that movie. Right. I feel like I'm there. When I watch this movie, I know I'm watching this movie. I have no vested interest in the characters whatsoever. I don't care if any of them die. I don't even care if the little boy gets rescued. Let me tell you what I like about this movie. You ready? Uh-huh. I had, I, I sat down and I was like, you know what? I got to come up with something that that's good about this movie. I got to figure it out. And I did, I figured it out. There's a beginning, there's a middle and there's an end. That is the best <laughs> part of this movie <laughs> that it ended. <laughs>
1: All right.
2: Cause my goodness. So it's terrible.
1: We, we, Scott, before we give our letter grade, let, let's pass it over to you as a cross examination, almost sell us on this movie.
3: Oh, geez. I mean, to be honestly, I haven't seen this movie in years. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, all, right, all right.
2: Before before you even say that. All right. So I one of the things I talked about this with Jeff, I'm sorry to cut you off. I figured you watched this movie in like French class in high school or something.
3: That's never the- took it.
2: OK, how did you come across this film?
3: Um, I believe I watched it because it looked very similar to another movie called Dark City. And I liked that movie as well. And, uh, you know, saw this, looked fairly interesting. I didn't realize it was a French movie at the time. So, I mean, I ended up even watching with all it, the French. You know, all well, no, I mean, like, when I saw the first uh, trailer of it, I didn't realize it was a French movie. Like, because I don't think they even really said anything in French at the time. I think it was just like. A lot of the backdrops and the characters you know doing what they were doing but not really speaking
1: so we're going to get to our letter grade but i want to tell you a, a little story about what happened after we finished the film i actually went over to jason's house and we sat in the same room and watched the movie together and at the end jason would just looked defeated his hands were <laughs> excuse me his head was in his hands and he's like man i feel like we should hang out more since you're over here but i just don't care anymore and I was like, all right. So I went home. The movie
3: stole his dreams.
1: And I went to sit down in my chair, and I was going to play some video games. I'm like, you know, I'm just, I'm not feeling it. And like a day or two before we watched this movie, I watched another foreign film that had subtitles, and I enjoyed it so much. I was like, man, I need to get more into these foreign movies. So I was a little, more, I was definitely more optimistic than JB. But this ruined, oh. Ah, oh, all right. So, JB, what's your letter grade?
2: Red the F. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, we're in a unique situation now because Jason and I are reviewing the same movie. And so to effectively have our score be one singular score to assign to the movie, we basically are going to average out the two scores. So if I give it an F, JB gives it an A+, it's a C. And if we like if I give it a B and he gives it a B minus, the lower score is going to take precedence. So uh, that's how we're going to work it out. So we don't have to worry about that today, though. I agree. This movie is a F. It's one of the most boring movies <laughs> I've ever had to sit through. You said it was worth the birth. I haven't seen birth in a long time, but it. It's hard to get through for me. And I know we, Jason was going around after we watched the movie to try to find some videos on YouTube of people explaining what the hell we just watched. And all the videos where people (laughs) were like, oh, I love this movie. It's so artistic and beautiful and da 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 I'm like, what the hell were they watching? I don't understand (laughs) because I didn't watch the same movie as them. They had a better version.
2: Yeah, I... Listen, I'm not knocking on foreign films. Um, hey, like Kung Fu Song. Hustle. I, I'm going
1: to give it to you one time, and you're going to love yeah, it.
2: Yeah, like, I, I know I am. That zombie movie, right? It looks like it's dope. It's awesome. Now, Kung Fu Hustle is another foreign film where there's subtitles, and I think that movie's
1: fantastic. Ip Man? Oh,
3: that's an awesome movie. You yeah. know they're making a part two.
2: Yes, yeah, I did hear that. It's going to be amazing, man.
3: I can't wait for that.
2: Um, yeah, definitely want to see that. Yeah, this this movie here, though, my. I just. There's no redeeming qualities of this whatsoever. And again, there's so many unrealistic aspects like this. This one scene that just just baffles my mind where they're they're captured. Right. And they're being executed and they're on these wooden planks and there's fish heads behind them. And the premise is that these birds are going to come eat the fish heads. And then once the weight distributions off, they'll fall into the ocean. Uh, Ron Perlman is much heavier than this eight year old girl, yet they're falling at the same speed and the same the same fit hit fish head weight balances there. And then Ron Perlman gets saved by this random guy, which, again, I'm not even vested. I really don't even care to do research to see who he is. Anyway, gets rescued and the girl literally and I mean, literally. And Jeff always clowns me for saying literally when I don't mean it. But this is true. She's literally fingertips away from the boat and she falls in the water and they don't even make an attempt. They
1: don't to do just anything. They're just th- like, well, all he, all he has s- to
2: do, sucks to has to do is reach his hand out. He doesn't even have to flex. <laughs> he doesn't even have to stretch his arm out all the way. It can be at an 80 degree angle and he can still reach her. And they just scream. No. As she drowns.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. So one of the, the things where I was like, okay, now I know this is enough. So, they find this guy in the sewer and he looks like these minions that the ball guy has. And they all look the same. They're like clones. Well, this guy's the original and he's actually like the inventor. He created everything. And at the end of the movie, for no reason that I can comprehend, he like straps a bomb to himself and he's just laughing maniacally. And everybody leaves the Island on a boat or not the Island, but the, the, the oil rig on a boat and he's yelling at them to come back and the credits roll and relief washes over me ah thank god yeah, yeah, that's
2: a, you're right man like,
1: it didn't like make he just sense. has
2: a, a change of mind where he's like hey you know what i don't want to kill myself come back and get me and then a damn seagull lands on the lever for the tnt bomb box and he blows up and the whole oil rig blows up and then it, it it pans back to one's brother who's on the boat, and again he's always eating in the film. Like he's eating some, some salamis He pulls and sausage like, out of his
1: shirt. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, where does he get these food
3: from? He's always eating.
2: <laughs> his metabolism so, is high too. I. Whatever. And then the. If credits I
3: remember run. correctly, the um, the uh, scientist guy you guys saw in the sewer is he's the original um all the other minions are clones of him but also the main bad guy is a clone of him that's aged hmm. if i remember correctly
1: okay mm-hmm. well yeah. i gotta say i'm done talking about this movie i'll never watch yeah. it again uh i'm now, scott, I'm You got to remember over.
2: these rules me too man me too i'm glad so but scott you gotta remember these rules now whenever somebody asks you like hey have you ever seen the city of the lost children and you'd be like yeah man and, and in your words, it's not my words. Your words will be, yeah, man. I saw it a long time ago. I actually recommend it to a few friends of mine who own a podcast. I love the film. And they ask you, well, what do you think you give
1: it? What are you going to say? And F. Yep. Yep. F. We got to call <laughs> damn John Wick a C plus. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh!
2: <sighs> yeah. All right, well. Uh. This episode wasn't going to go the way I thought it was going go, to go. No,
1: this is pretty much exactly what I expected. I <laughs> I just, it was going to be painful from start to finish. And it, it it was, but hopefully it's at least easy to listen to. And now you don't have to sit through uh city of lost children. You've heard all about it. I was going to uh, send Scott up, but before you leave, you, Jason and I are going to give each other our movies for next week. And maybe you can say what you think, if they're good or bad, if you've heard of them, if you've seen them. Uh, So, JB, I forgot who went first last time. Uh, Do you want to give me my movie first or should I give you yours?
2: yeah, man, I'll go ahead and go first. So uh, this movie, um, I love this movie and I I think you're going to love it, too. So let me just go ahead and say, I'm going to get you swollen in.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're making me watch (laughs) Idiocracy. Okay.
2: <laughs> nah, man, I'm gonna get you swollen in. I'm gonna make you honorary black man to date. You're watching Django, boy. You're watching his stars, oh. Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Leonardo DiCaprio, Samuel L. Jackson, made by Quentin Tarantino, man.
1: Well, I gotta say, I'm not a Tarantino fan. He has a couple movies that I really, really love, like Kill Bill and Jackie Brown, but largely mm-hmm. I don't like his movies. I don't like Reservoir Dogs, I don't like Pulp Fiction. A lot of his stuff is just a bummer to watch. So,
2: I'm gonna tell you straight up, this is uh, I actually like a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies. And remember how I kind of made you watch Lone Survivor thinking it'll make you turn your opinion around to Mark Wahlberg, which it kind of did a little bit, right? Yeah, I think this will be, yeah, it's a a little bit. It's not, I'm not saying he's a great actor, like I think he is. I'm done talking
1: about Lone Survivor, we did that last week, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So, I'm just saying. Quentin, this movie for Quentin Tarantino, I think, is going to turn your opinion around on this. So I think you're going to, I I hope and I think that you're going to put in the same category as Jackie Brown and the Kill Bill films.
3: So um, it's actually Django Unchanged is the, is the name of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a remake of a 1966 film. Well, I'm not watching yep, the 1966
1: it. one because <laughs> JB hasn't seen it, so he can't recommend it. All right, my turn now. I said after we watched this horrible movie this week that we kind of had a truce. I, I wanted to give you a movie. I think you're really going to enjoy so far. You've given my stuff B's and C's. So I'm aiming for the top tier. I want, I want to see if I can get an A minus a- at the very least out of you. So I'm recommending a 2006 film starring Tony Collette, who you would know from hereditary. Cause you, you know, you're looking forward to that. It's got Greg Kinnear. Mm-hmm. Uh, And uh, Alan Arkin.
2: Dude, I don't even know these people.
1: Now, here's a name you know. Paul Dano.
2: Oh, my God.
1: Okay. And (laughs) the name you know the most, Mr. Steve Carell.
2: Oh, there we go. Okay. All right. You you done picked it up for me because Paul Dano reminds me of this horrible film I watched on week one of this podcast. So, uh,
1: yeah. Oh, it also is the the first ever time, or I believe the first... Role that actress Abigail Breslin has ever had. I believe it's her first one because she's a little kid in this one. uh You're gonna watch Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, have you seen Little Miss Sunshine, Scott?
3: Uh, about half of it. Oh, man. Then I turned it off. Yeah.
1: Oh God. Well, that doesn't <laughs> bode well. This Maybe I made a Promise. mistake.
3: Yeah, <laughs> Maybe yeah, 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 a I made a. Wanna... You didn't like it. <laughs>
1: I couldn't get through. Okay, it. Okay, all right. Well uh, done. St- I'm not gonna go anywhere. Yeah, there. please don't. I, 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 Listen, I, like I to, saw
2: the movie poster of this good film. Good luck, right? JB. I saw the movie poster of this film, and I was. <sighs> I guess you just can't judge a book by its cover.
1: I guess. All right. This is, you said the same thing about the movie poster for "They Came Together," and you liked that one.
2: I did. Yep, that was good.
1: All right, so we're gonna get out of here. But before we do, Scott, do you want to tell people where they can find you? where they can hear your podcast that uh, you have a very intelligent person on.
3: Uh, yeah. You can listen to budget arcade anywhere you get podcasts. We are on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google podcasts, Swoot, I um, iHeart radio. The only thing we're not on is Pandora. I think we're on everything else.
1: Yeah. That's a tough one. Um, all right. Well, this concludes probably the most uh, upsetting edition of film soliloquy. It's it's been a rough one, and I want to uh, begrudgingly thank Scott for coming on. Uh, but I gotta close the show, and I don't know how to do it other than to say our music is by Sir Flame. Uh, you can find him on Twitter and on Instagram at Set It On Flame. You can listen to his music anywhere you stream music: Spotify, Google, all the places.
0: Yeah. And I guess uh,
1: we'll see you next Wednesday for another episode of Film Solitary.
0: Yeah. Let's hit it. Yeah, like we always do at this time. I go for mine and made plans for yours, cause I got the shine. Go bar for bar, go line for line, like Kobe in '99. I'm so close to prime. That bitch by my side, I'm so close behind. We living in a the moment, there's no post to vine. You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign. The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb. I remember, man, 11 years old when I made it to go. Up in Fairville, I related to cold. Fresh bubble jacket, shit, I hated the cold. But when winter come around, we would play in the snow. They had enough North sway. So